Hey podcaster, it's Charlie here bringing you another episode of The Business of Podcasting. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Adam Jaffrey of Wavelength Creative. Now, this is Adam's second appearance on the podcast and will definitely not be the last appearance because he's such a knowledgeable guy on the topic of podcasting. Now, I would encourage you to go check out his previous episode because I feel like he shared so many golden nuggets that could be really valuable for the show. But in today's episode, we're going to dig deep on what to do if your show is stalling or in decline. Um, And I felt Adam was the right guy to have this conversation with, and there was a lot of back and forth. Now, specifically, who this episode is for is for anyone who has a podcast that maybe things have stagnated. Maybe you're not growing your audience as much as you would like to be. Maybe you're not turning listeners into subscribers, or perhaps you're just not bringing in any new business from your podcast. It's not generating any leads and sales. So we go through this in a bit of a step-by-step. So the first thing we want to take people through is how to identify identify sorry if the podcast has actually stalled or is in decline. Then the next part we talk about is strategies you can look at to work around this or start improving your show again. And I think that section of the podcast particularly is really valuable. There's a lot of little things you can start introducing right away that could turn a show around or bring a show back to its former glory, which I think would be really helpful. And then the last thing we look at is getting exterior help. So sometimes we can just be way too close to our own show. And I know I've actually been through this myself. My first part, sorry, my first podcast, I was just way too on top of. I was so in it that I couldn't see the mistakes I was making. And it was only when I got some exterior help was I able to kind of look at that show and then re kind of tweak it and move it to see much more success. So if you do like this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the show. And I do like hearing from people. So if you do want to perhaps suggest a topic for the podcast, or you have a question you would like me to cover in a show, head over to valamedia.com and submit a form on the contact page. And I'll make sure to cover your topic or question in a future episode. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the show for round two. Adam, how you doing? I'm doing great and uh, and happy to be back. Well, uh, you earned your invite back, in all honesty. On the last episode we recorded, we went through your P- three Ps of podcasting. Now, if this is the first time you have seen or you've heard from Adam on our show, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. Um, I was really impressed with how Adam thinks about podcasting and how he's broken down what can be a huge topic into these three P areas. So please go and check that out on a previous episode. I think there's a ton of value to come through. At the end of the episode, though, um, I mentioned to Adam, I like, I felt like I just agreed with you on everything because you nailed some things I particularly um, think are true in the podcasting space. And Adam said, well, maybe we should come back and record something different and look at some different points of view and how we can add value in some other areas. So after a bit of back and forth, we've decided to come through on this episode and talk about how to fix a stalling podcast. So that is the topic we're going to be getting into right now. So Adam, I'll let you lead off. When I say a stalling podcast, um, how do you think about that? What is a stalling podcast? Well, yeah, and and just to uh, sum up on your intro there, hopefully we can have some uh, points of disagreement today because I'm looking forward to a bit of friendly argument, a bit of friendly banter. I'm ready. (laughs) This time I'm ready. (laughs) I uh, I packed the the boxing gloves and everything. Um, 
So, yeah, stalling podcasts. This is, uh, I guess there's a couple of ways to think about this. One is, um, and perhaps we should we should begin this conversation by um, outlining, you know, what is a, a stalling podcast um, and what does it mean and, and uh, what kind of metrics uh, might we be looking at there. So, when somebody asks me um, how to fix a stalling podcast or, you know, is my podcast stalling, there's a couple of um, different angles that that might mean. One is that uh, the show is stalling because uh, they're not connecting well with the with the listener and their, you know, downloads per episode are either plateauing um, growing very slowly or perhaps actually decreasing episode over episode. Um, the other is that uh, that they're not producing any more content. Um, and uh, that's a term in the podcast industry that we refer to as pod fading, uh, which is where you um, you basically just ghost your show at some point and, and stop releasing episodes. So, of course, you're going to stall if uh, you're not producing any more content. So, those are the kind of two um, angles that, uh, that I would think about. I think the main one we're going to talk about today, though, is number one, where your download numbers are not growing or increasing. Would that be fair to say? I think it is fair to say that's the main one or the main metric that's been identified. So, I've had a few people come to me uh, since I've been in the podcasting game and separate to Podfade, maybe they've come to me and the two I see, these are the two situations is one, uh, someone's show has hit a level and they've been going for let's say the last six months and they haven't been able to increase downloads um, despite putting in the work. And then the other one is that this show really never took off in the first place. It stalled very early on, um, which is a little bit of a different scenario. But nonetheless, uh, I think a lot of the steps are very similar in how you might go about fixing it. So, I think we're in agreement, although viewing it slightly different is that a stalling show really comes back to download numbers, either not improving or declining. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with that. And I think one thing to think about um, with regards to, you know, your download numbers is that each show is relative, right? So, um, the, the numbers that you might be aiming for are very different to what another show might be aiming for. So, if you have a very specialist niche topic, uh, for example, I heard of a podcast recently for neurosurgeons in Melbourne, you know, a very particular uh, subset um, of, of, of a subset of an audience. You know, there's only a, a a maximum number of neurosurgeons in Melbourne who could even potentially listen to that show. And so, getting 100 downloads per episode on that show or 50 downloads per episode on that show may be you know, 90 or 100% of, uh, of the audience that you could potentially reach. Whereas, if you're creating a podcast for, um, let's say, people who like um, ice cream, then that's, you know, the, the, the potential audience size for that could be in the millions. And so, um, you know, the, the outcomes of one um, and, and the, the way that we judge how well that show is performing of one uh, is very different to the other. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I actually have a show and it still blows my mind. Um, it actually gets at maximum, this is the highest I've ever seen it, is a thousand downloads a week, which is not a huge number for a podcast. However, the show makes about 20 to 25 grand of profit per month. Mm -hmm. And I look at it and, I, you know, it blows me away from time to time that big numbers doesn't mean big money or big monetization. 
and what he's been able to do with such a small segment because he solves such a, a great problem has led to a really great result from his business or for his business um, from the podcast. So numbers don't always stack up there, which is a really interesting point of view. But I want to um, dig into the topic at hand and think about it. If I come to you, Adam, and you, you look at, let's say, you, I show you my show numbers, I show you my downloads, maybe you're in my Lipson or Omni account. What would be the way if my show was stalling that you'd first think about identifying what's going wrong here or what can be done to change my situation? Sure. Well, I think even before that, we'd, we'd look at, you know, is the show actually stalling? So, we talked a little bit about there. So, we talked a little bit there about, um, you know, different uh, different metrics, meaning different things to different organizations. Um, we we want to look at things over um, a particular time frame as well. So, one thing to think about is, you know, uh, if your show's been only live for maybe three or four months, um, then I'd like to see a bit more of a longer commitment before we make a decision about whether that show has stalled or not, uh, because podcasting really is a long game channel. Um, and, you know, sometimes it takes up to six months to really find your voice, to find your audio brand, Um to become a good interviewer, to become a good speaker, these things take time. You know, if you look, if, if you watch the news or, or um, listen to the radio, these presenters have honed their craft over years, sometimes decades. Um, so, uh, when we make a podcast, I think sometimes we rush to the conclusion that um, we need to have a, a top 10 iTunes podcast or, or you know, uh, a top 10 Apple podcasts podcast within, you know, five episodes. And realistically, that's probably just not going to be the case. It takes time to, to build um, your skill set. And it takes time to build an audience as well for people to stumble across your show and, and, and uh, to, to, um, to, you know, find you to, to, to basically organically find uh, what you're doing. And for that word of mouth, which is, you know, the number one way that podcasts grow to slowly build out over time. Um, because it is really a long form channel where people build a relationship with you over time. So, before we dig into, you know, like how do, how do we fix it and, and what those next steps are, um, I think there's just a couple of things that I would preface uh, with. Th- those are the things that I'd be looking for when I'm, I'm looking at whether a show has actually stalled or not. Um, and perhaps the answer is maybe the show just needs a little bit more commitment. Maybe it needs a bit more time. Um, because if you give up too early, then uh, you, you'll, you'll potentially miss the opportunity to, uh, to actually hit that 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 stride where you really know what you're doing and you're firing on all cylinders and creating great content um, and that takes time to develop. So, I'm just curious there from what you've seen in clients you've worked with or your own shows, how erratic would you expect the numbers to be or how volatile to use a, a nicer term? Would you expect, let's say, the week to week or month to month be on a new show, let's say in the first three months? Is there massive up and downs? Is this something where you're seeing steady flow over it? You know, maybe the first month's really harsh and then after that it finds a balance? Mm. Look, every show is different um, and it depends on the way that you're growing and marketing the show. Um, But typically... you would see a, a slow and steady growth of the show and you're not going to see large swings of, you know, um, 100% uh, increase or decrease in download numbers week on week. Um, 
things to look out for are, you know, obviously it depends on the uh, the cadence that you are releasing episodes. So, a weekly show, you're obviously going to have a spike once a week on release day. Um, and then the six days that follow that are going to, you know, basically form out a bit of a, um, um, uh, 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 basically a reverse uh, um a reverse exponential curve, you know, the the um, it's going to plateau out over those following six days. Um, if you're doing a fortnightly show, that is going to be a longer period of time. And if you're doing a monthly show, it's going to be um, even longer. So, what we do is we look at a show over its regular release cadence. Um, and that's assuming that a show is being released on a regular frequency. So, every show that we do has um, predictability built into it because that's important for an audience. But sometimes we have um, uh, show hosts and, and clients come to us and say, hey, can you help us with our show? And one of the issues we identify is that they are actually releasing a show infrequently. And so, um, that becomes difficult from an audience perspective for them to predict when my next favorite episode is going to come out. So, we, we look at a show um, and, uh, and, and we're, we're, we're assessing how uh, much variance there is in that audience um, over whatever release frequency they have. Typically, you'll see, uh, I mean, exact numbers might be, you know, 10 to 15, maybe as high as 20% variance in uh, week to week, fortnight to fortnight. Um, but, uh, but I wouldn't think there would be much, um, much more of a variance than that. With the exception being if, you know, some large impactful event happens, like you get featured on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or one of these apps that gives you some visibility. Um, perhaps you have a big name guest um, that's able to share the show on their social channels and that grows your audience. Um, and what you look at there is, you know, how many of those people stick around for the following week? But really, to answer your question, how much volatility should we expect? I wouldn't expect more than probably 10 or 20% um, in between each release cadence. Um, and if you're seeing more than that, then uh, what we're what the assumption probably is, is that people are not subscribing to the show. Um, they're just dipping in and out as a casual listener. We know that most people who listen to podcasts will actually subscribe to them. Um, and so, what we should see is... Uh, for those who um, trial out the show uh, and enjoy listening, they will hit the subscribe button um, and continue to come back week on week or fortnight on fortnight, whatever your release cadence is. Uh, and so, that's what we want, right? Because then you have an inbuilt audience for the next episode. Um, so, if you're seeing huge swings, um, it means that something is probably wrong with the content itself uh, because people are trialing the show but not sticking around to subscribe. I think you actually dropped one of the things that might be a good way to maybe fix up a show is consistency. So, we might come back to that, but I suspect um, that's a really interesting element for mm -hmm. improving a show is making sure the consistency is there. I would actually say from the shows I've launched recently, so just looking at the batch of shows I've launched, let's say this year, I would say 20% is common in swings for the first three months and then things sure, uh, tend to stabilise. Um, of course, doesn't include any um, spike events like being featured on a platform or maybe being endorsed by a big name. But that would be common from what I've seen as well. Mm -hmm. um, on the reverse of things, so we've spoken a little bit about the idea of if it's a new show, perhaps it's just getting some consistency down and, and playing a longer game before you think your show is stalling. And I, I tend to think that could be true for a lot of shows. What about for someone who's been around, let's say they've been doing a podcast for five years, what would you be looking at or what duration of time would you want to see before you called it a stall in your mind? 
Yeah, I, I think if someone's been producing a show for five years and their their audience numbers are dropping um, or plateauing and there is no um, obvious reason for what that is, um, then, of course, there's, there's, a, there's a conversation to be had and, and some more research and digging to be done to figure out um, what's actually going on there. Uh, so, yeah, I think... You know, if if you've done a show for about probably a year or uh, a year or more, um, then then that's enough data. Probably even six months is enough data to kind of say, all right, we've we've set the groundwork, we've played a medium to long game here. Now let's get a bigger picture at uh, at what's going on. Uh, so really, the questions that I then start to ask myself. Um, are things about the content specifically, the packaging, um, the consistency, the quality of the show, these kinds of things. And I'd be looking at metrics like um, every every show that's been submitted to Apple Podcasts has uh, a Apple ID associated with that. And uh, and if you're working with um, a host that's reputable like uh, yourself or, or us, um, we'll have access to the uh, the backend data that Apple provides, which gives you information on um, how many people are actually subscribing to the show compared to how many listen. So it gives you like a it gives you a subscriber rate out of the total listenership, and it also gives you listener retention data. So how long through an episode people are actually listening to, and so that stuff gives you a much more granular level of an understanding of how the show is performing from a content perspective, uh, because. We can look at when people start to drop off. It literally gives you a graph um, from zero seconds to, you know, let's say the episode's 27 minutes uh, in length. And you can see at the seven minute mark, we lose 45% of our audience. And that happens every episode. And so, we we start to get a bit of an understanding of what's happening at seven minutes. Oh, we do an ad read or, oh, there's a uh, some segment that, um, that doesn't align with uh, what the audience's expectations are. You start to get some information that way. Um, I'd also be looking at comparing episode on episode data. So, looking at your Libsyn dashboard or, or wherever you host and looking at which episodes perform better than others um, in terms of downloads um, and why that is. I mean, episode titles, and we talked about this on the last episode we did, Charlie, um, episode titles play a really big role in um, in in the, uh, in the performance of a particular episode. We've seen using active language and posing questions in episode titles tends to, uh, to, to draw people people in much more than using kind of passive language or worse yet, restating the show title and episode number before you even um, put any information about the episode name in that episode title field. So, I'd be starting to pick apart little bits of data and going, what's actually going on here? Sometimes it's also really obvious um, what's going on. Perhaps the show has really clunky uh, artwork or a really um, confusing name. And, uh, and I mean, that wouldn't be the case if someone's worked with a podcast agency um, to get their show set up correctly. Um, but, uh, but sometimes these things happen and, and uh, those are sometimes uh, quick fixes, I suppose, that can help the show turn around and, and perform a lot better. Yeah, some some interesting points there. Some really interesting points. Um, from my own experience, like I've looked in numerous people's accounts where 
something's happened, they've identified they've stalled. So we've made the decision and identified it's stalled. Much like you, I start digging around and kind of looking for some obvious things. These are the ones that kind of stand out for me. These are the ones that I really take notice of. Like one, have they gotten lazy? And I know this sounds funny, but like this is actually, you mentioned pod fade earlier, but when someone's been doing a show for a while, I wonder if they've become a bit stale and complacent and aren't doing the things they used to do that actually led to their show being successful. So that's my number one of like, you know, has there been a decline in effort to match the decline in performance? Um, and, and I might just interrupt you for a second there, Charlie, uh, and say um, that's not just from the content side of things. That's also from the promotion side of things. So, so it's- Definitely. <laughs> right? I, I so, nearly choked I, on my water then. <laughs> <laughs> yes, especially that one. <laughs> I, I, we see it all the time. People um, come out of the gates really strong and they're excited about their new podcast project. Um, and they do the fun bit, um, which is, you know, having the interviews and the conversations. And then sometimes after, you know, the, the early excitement period fades, they get three six, nine months in and they just get a little bit lazy with, you know, posting audiograms and, and you know, social graphics to LinkedIn and Facebook and these kinds of things. And that stuff can have an impact on, on your listenership because the show is no longer front of mind uh, for your listeners or potential listeners. So, yeah, I just wanted to interrupt and say it's not just on the content side of things, it's also on the promotion side of things. Absolutely. The promotion one is probably the one I would even check first. Like uh, I have a bias towards promotion. I'm aware of it. I'm a, I'm a avid marketer and I just love marketing. So like the promotion side of it is an area I enjoy. Um, but when I look at it, you know, maybe you used to post a lot of content and share when episodes are live and make audiograms and share all kinds of things related to the podcast or tag the guest when you did something. And if you stop doing all those little bits and pieces, it's like that compound effect um, you'd worked up actually starts working down. So sometimes there's easy identification in going, okay, well, you, you've actually just gotten lazy, which can be a hard conversation, but true. Mm-hmm. The next one I look about is um, comparing other similar shows. So maybe um, in comparison to what everyone else is doing, it's not that you've um, – gotten worse it's just everyone around you has gotten better and you're actually being detracted because there's been a big level up um i know we work on a wide variety of shows but this is particularly true in like marketing niches business niches um there's some savages out there like they will go hard to one-up you so maybe you've gotten a bit complacent again you're still doing your things but all the shows around you are maybe now they're doing video now they're making snippets. Now they're getting the same guests you've had, but they're actually interviewing them better. Mm-hmm. They've, they've worked on their interviewing skills. So they're the first thing, two things I would look at um, from identification or, or doing that thing to make a judgment on like why a show may have stalled. Mm. Um, so that's my kind of like initial take in, in leaning into that one there. I like that you uh, that you look at the the hosts um, specifically uh, and and really hone in on what's going on uh, on there from you know the lazy perspective and then also looking at the market um, from from around how their competition's performing because those are things that uh, are certainly important but not particularly obvious. Um, so I, I really like that, Charlie. I guess the 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 actual thing that we tend to go to first is looking at things through the eye of a listener. Uh, and so, that that's always our go-to approach. The listener is the single source of truth. And so, if, you know, we're identifying that a show is stalling, it means that it's not resonating with that listener as much as it did in the past. And so, when we look at things through the eye of a listener, um, 
I quite often find myself chucking some headphones on, going for a walk around the block and listening to a couple of episodes of that show and going, if I was a listener right now, um, which I am because I'm listening to the show, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? How does this show resonate with me? And I go through the full user journey too. So, not just... um, uh, loading the uh, the podcast app up uh, and and um, you know finding well basically what I want to do is I want to I want to um, search for the show using whatever keyword um, look at what the cover artwork is the name find some episodes that have interesting titles uh, and we spoke a lot about this on on the last episode that we recorded Charlie um, with the the three pillars of podcasting one of those is packaging and so packaging is an area that uh, that tends to play a um, uh, a very important role and yet we we often overlook it and so when I'm saying I put myself in the eye uh, I put myself in in the seat of a listener and walk around the block listening to the show um, I'm listening for things like, uh, are the intros clear and compelling? What feeling does the intro music evoke within me? Um, that first 60 seconds of a show is the most crucial to be able to hook somebody. So, what listener hooks and open loops are we opening in their mind to try and tease them uh, to listen to the rest of the show? Um what uh, is the production quality? Does my microphone, well, not my, does their microphone sound good? Are they interesting to listen to? Uh, and then all the other stuff like the cover artwork, is it compelling and drawing me in? Do I understand what the show name is? Are the episode titles compelling? Um, and so, what I'm really doing is thinking in the, in, in the mind of a listener through all of the accumulation of different parts of a podcast uh, because it's not just you know, the, 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 the actual audio part that matters. There's all this associated stuff in terms of packaging um, that could be playing a really big impact on, uh, on how well that show is performing in terms of whether it's stalling or not. You just said something really interesting about the first 60 seconds, which I think we should um, go a bit deeper on because I actually feel like this is a huge thing. I feel like many podcasts actually, um, and I'm quoting someone else who said this as well, they disrespect their audience. Mm-hmm. They put a title that offers something and then don't really talk about that till deep in the episode and just waffle at the start about, you know, how the weather is and shit. Like, yep. It's just like, <laughs> and then they well, wonder I- why their engagement's low or people are fading away when they're like just pounding them with crap at the start. Yeah. And, and here's the problem. As of last count, there was 750,000 podcasts on Apple Podcasts. That's three quarters of a million shows. Um there is almost infinite choice uh, now in the podcast space. And if your show is not compelling, stellar, if it is not outstanding, uh, then you could be in trouble um, of getting replaced by another show which covers the same topic but better. And so, why should somebody listen to your show? Well, you need to show them and tell them why. And so, those first those first 60 seconds are crucial, but also so are the next 60 and the next 60 and the next 60 and the next 60 right through until that file finishes playing. Um, it's not, I mean, I say the first 60 seconds are the most important because they are. You need to hook the listener and we, we don't want to waffle. We don't want to all the things you said there, Charlie, I completely agree with. We don't respect, well, sometimes when a show is stalling, it is because we're not respecting the listener's time. Um, but beyond that, we also need to respect their time 
right throughout that full 30-minute episode, if that's how long your show is. We often get asked, actually, um, how long should a podcast episode be? It's probably the most common question that uh, that I get in my day-to-day work when we're speaking to uh, people about their new show. Um, and the answer that I give uh, is sometimes a little unsatisfying to hear, um, but it's it's the dead set truth. The answer is as long as it needs to be to tell your message and not a second longer. So, what that means is edit your show so that all the waffle and crap is taken out. We don't want to hear about what you did on the weekend with your co-host or, you know, hey, tell us about your backstory, you know, how did you get to this point in your career? I mean, those questions can sometimes be good to build rapport with your audience, but cut them out in the post-production process and jump straight to the first main question and cut out any of the the bits where the guest restates themselves and cut out any of the bits that are boring or where someone makes a mistake or if someone stumbles over a word or if they say um 17 times in a sentence, remove 15 of those so that it still sounds natural but not waffling. Um, We have this term that we use internally, which we really try to live by when we produce a show. Uh, We we produce shows that are all killer, no filler. So, every second has to be valuable. And uh, and so, I mean, it's it's certainly the most important uh, point is those first 60 seconds, but I don't want to forget about the next 60 and the next 60 right through because um, uh, people will drop out at any point that they get bored because there is endless choice. Amanda, we'll wrap this episode up right now. Thank you for being with. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, but I but I agree. Respect for the audience is a huge thing. But I, I want to come back around here because there's little nuggets that I feel have been dropped here that are even making myself think. Is like if you're someone listening to this right now, maybe a little go to is like you know first the identification, but it's like consistency. How you're comparing to other shows and making sure you're putting in the effort that had some of that caused some of your recent success. But then number three here is like maybe a good starting point is looking at the start of your show, particularly putting a focus on really making sure that first 60 seconds in your case, but really all your content is all killer, no filler to quote. I feel like that's a quoted from somewhere else. Is this from a rap song or something? I feel like it could have. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I'm not sure. I didn't invent it, but um, but I did I, I did I did steal with uh, uh, with passion there. I, I'm not sure where it's from. Okay, so we've co- we've come in and we've identified a few things here. Um, again, I feel like that checklist in itself, uh, first sixty seconds, and then the comparing it and making your quality is there. What would you do next? Like you're in here now and you've looked at these things. How would you go about like turning the ship and I suppose re-sparking it? Yeah, sure. To, to answer this question, I might tell you uh, a bit of a story. So, about a year ago, we got contacted by the University of Melbourne, um, so one of Australia's biggest and most prestigious universities. They had produced a podcast themselves uh, internally using their internal um, resourcing and, and podcast team. And it was a pretty good show. Um, and it was about how the world of work is changing with um, uh, with technology and how to prepare for tomorrow's workplace. And the problem that they had was the show was not performing very well at all. They'd released it and they were only getting a couple of hundred downloads per episode. And for a brand like the University of Melbourne, which has, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of, uh, of alumni and 
great, uh, impactful place in the community. I mean, uh, they actually have their own postcode in Melbourne. Um, you know, they're, they're, they've got a, a huge audience, a huge uh, place in society, a huge cultural impact, and yet uh, the show just wasn't doing very well at all. You know and what's so- surprising? Just sorry to, I'm really sorry to interrupt, but it's like even in you saying that, I feel like this show should be super relevant if you're in that audience. Absolutely, and so it was actually a bit of a surprise that uh, that, they, that the show wasn't wasn't doing very well. Uh, so they reached out to us and said, "Hey, can you help us um, improve uh, improve our show and grow our audience?" Uh, the, the the question actually was, "Can you help us grow our audience?" And and they were looking for a marketing campaign. And what we did is we came back to them and said, "We can certainly put a marketing campaign." together for this uh, and to increase the, um, the, the reach uh, of your audience. However, what we should do first is a podcast renovation. Um, we think that the performance of a marketing campaign will be amplified by um, repackaging the show and fixing a few things that we, uh, that we identified as problems. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it'll pay exponential dividends when you actually spend some marketing dollars on it at the same time. So, what we did was we actually took the old show down from, from Apple Podcasts. We removed it um, and we repackaged it. We gave the, sh- we gave the show a new name um, and, and a much snappier um, and clickbaity name. It, became, uh, it used to be called The Brave New World of Work. Very long, a lot of generic terms in there. It was soft matching against a lot of other shows when you would search for it on Apple Podcasts. Um, we renamed the show to Expert Hack. Two words, really simple, quite clickbaity. Um, we gave the show new artwork, which was, you know, really compelling. Previously, it was the University Crest, um, which kind of made it feel a bit like a lecture series rather than a, a show, quote unquote show. Um, so, we gave it new artwork. And then we re-recorded all the intros and outros um, and put a put a campaign, um, a, a marketing and a, a PR uh, relaunch campaign behind it. And what was really interesting was we didn't modify the actual content of the show at all. Like, we re-recorded the intros and outros, but the main content of the show did not change from uh, the very beginning when they produced it themselves to when we helped them relaunch the show. And so, we did a whole bunch of stuff, um, including uh, what we talked about in this big marketing campaign. And the result was that the show grew... 57 times, so that's 5-7, what it was in in the beginning. So, multiple thousands of downloads per episode. Um, The the team um, behind the show was absolutely wrapped with the performance um, to the point where, you know, they had a big celebration party and got balloons and all kinds of stuff. Um, And and it was just a massive lesson in uh, how um, having a really strong launch, having great intros and outros, having a compelling title and interesting artwork and a good promotional campaign around a show um, really makes a huge difference given that the content of the show, you know, when we talked about the three pillars of podcasting, we've got production, we've got uh, packaging and we've got promotion. We didn't touch the first one, the production side of it, the actual content didn't change and yet the show had such a different outcome just by changing everything else around it. So, um, yeah, those are some examples that we uh, that we worked on, um, and it uh, and it made a, a dramatic difference. 
it's interesting. It really highlights how important the other areas are. Like you can't just be focused um, specifically in content. Your packaging and promotion um, really make a difference when it comes to the overall uh, success of a podcast or show. So mm. that's a really fascinating one. Thank you for sharing that one as well. You're welcome. Have you got any examples of shows that you've worked on uh, which were were stalling and what did you do to fix them? Yeah, I mean, really good question. I've got an example of one that I think you could pro- that people can probably pull some nuggets out of as well. So once identifying a stalling show and leaning into uh, the data and everything else, what I kind of look to as an action step or what I like to look at is going, you know, what has been the best performing content on this show prior? What is the best performing content on other shows in the same industry? And what I look to do is first fix the content. So I go, okay, for the next, let's say, your next eight episodes, these are the things you're going to lean into, whether it's inviting back on guests that were successful, bringing up topics that were successful in the past to revisit or put something new on them, or whether it's visiting topics that are killing it for other shows and putting your own spin on it. So we want to make sure that we're in the sweet spot in what has worked in the past and what is working now. So that's my first thing. The second thing we kind of look to in there is going, let's really ramp up the promotion around these four episodes to see if we can cause an impact or spike. So for the next four weeks, we might double the actual promotion elements or use things like paid ads to see if in doing that, we can see a turn in the numbers quickly. And what I'm hoping to identify in that and why we do that thing is that basically tells us if it's been the content side of things and how the show is being promoted and if it's simply doubling down on what has been working that's going to fix the show or if that has the chance to fix the show. If that doesn't work, uh, sometimes it does work and sometimes you can lean into that and sometimes you can build on top of that. But in the scenario that that doesn't work, then I look to more of your approach, which is like this needs to be a bit of a relaunch or a repackaging because perhaps this industry has moved and the way you're going about your content has had a chance at moving. But I really want to make sure before we had that happen, we, you know, we check what has worked in the past and amplify down on that. Can I ask a uh, – he, he could be our first disagreement, Charlie. Um, uh, a bit of a philosophical question. How, how, do, how do you know – um, if you go through that process, whether it is um, doubling down on specific types of content that is improving the show or whether it's doubling down on the marketing that's improving the show. Because when you're running those two levers uh, in, in, in conjunction with each other, it's not really a true A-B test because, uh, because you can't tell w- whether it was more marketing or whether it was better content that actually made the show perform better. That's such a good question. You are absolutely right. It's a terrible multivariant. <laughs> it's the worst. I, c- I couldn't actually um, consider that more. And it's a flawed test. But this is the thing I've noticed. If you're someone who has a podcast and a show, seeing improvement quickly will re-excite you. So even though we're double levering, I'm happy to find out which lever it is down the road. But what I want to know is like if, if a show's in decline or stalled, can we make a radical change to see some sort of improvement where we can get the host excited again, we can get some things that are happening. And often like that can lead to them being more confident. Often that can lead to them doing the posts they used to do. So it snowballs into itself, which I really like to see. Um, and on top of that, I'll throw in one more, a really great one we've seen more recently is like getting the host of the show to go on other podcasts in the space. Like, can we get them to reinteract and collaborate with uh, other shows and other industry experts that could have an effect as well? Now, you hit a really good point. 
right? You hit such a good point of like it's a terrible test and I couldn't agree more, as I said. But if we inspire a massive lift, I think it's a much better problem to be working with of like what caused us to double our show in the last month? Mm. Like everyone would much rather solve that problem than getting way too granular early and go, we'll try one test for a month. Okay, that maybe worked, only worked a little bit. Like I think you pay an opportunity cost in not moving quick enough to actually kind of bring that back to life. Mm. And then the other side of it is if for whatever reason, like we'll use an example, maybe my podcast is about the yellow pages, you know, and that, and that niche is dead, man. Like <laughs> yellow pages is gone. Or maybe, maybe I've got a podcast about Kodak <laughs> and, and you know, you know, those wouldn't be bad topics. But in general, you know, maybe the topic of my show has moved on and I there isn't an audience to re-spark here. I have to accept it. And I think if you are someone who has a podcast, you want to know that quickly. You don't want to draw out tests for six months and then go, actually, do you know what? We really needed to shift our topic or shift our structure. Like I'd rather find out things more quickly and dissect them on the go has been my approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I I think that's uh, I think that's a good way to think about it. I mean, what you're looking for is the outcome, right? So, can we achieve a positive outcome at the end of this, um, regardless of how how flawed our multivariate test is? Um, because you know, if if neither of those options work, you get one really big bit of data back, which is a big smack in the face saying, hey, um, the the content and the the promotion side of things didn't work. Maybe we need to look at a repackage and a relaunch. Maybe we need to look at a pivot in the content or maybe we need to look at shutting down the show and starting a, an entirely new topic depending on how um, how far gone a particular topic that you're talking about is. If, you know, uh, use the example of the Yellow Pages. Actually, I wonder if there's a, an interesting show in there about um, finding a Yellow Pages and, uh, and reading out old listings. I think that might be... A- <laughs> Interesting. You know, someone's probably doing it in that 750,000 shows. Um, yeah. It's there. You're right. But, and again, it's like this was something I've looked at even back from when I had the marketing agency is like a lot of tests are flawed, but podcasting seems to be particularly flawed because, you know, in the example we just mentioned there, let's say we um, work on the content. Maybe one of the guests like randomly promotes super hard and the topic catches wind and gets shared a whole bunch of times, you, you really can't include those types of spiked scenarios either. So it's going to be flawed regardless. It's just this way we can be a bit intentional about it. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what you want to do is you want to look at macro trends, right? So um, we're not looking, and that's why at the very start of this episode, we spoke about playing the long game and looking at things over a long period. Uh, if if you're just looking at one episode or a couple episodes or you have, you know, a, a, a three weeks that bomb compared to the last six months, I wouldn't say your show's stalling. I'd say play it out a little bit longer and see what happens. Maybe you were sick and, um, you know, you just, you didn't show up as present as you wanted to be and, and you, you know, you weren't on your A game. Maybe you interviewed a, a dud guest um, or, 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 the, or the guest wasn't responsive or, or you didn't do enough pre-research or, you know, there's there's plenty of things that could happen, but play that long game and look at the trends at the macro level, what's happening overall, um, and and then, yeah, pull out any outliers. Did we have a, a lot of promotion here or a, or a, or a bad episode here um, and see how the show is doing, um, doing long-term? I think um, the other thing that's probably worth thinking about is when you're trying to decide whether your show is stalled and also trying to get some advice about whether that show um, is stalling and what you can change to improve the packaging, the the production, um, the content, it's always worth speaking to an outsider. And the reason I say that is 
creating a podcast is a very intimate um, and and very personal project, a very a very personal endeavor, um, and. As a result, sometimes you can get a little bit too close to it that you can't see the forest through the trees. You you are immediately aware of how many ums you removed from uh, from someone when you were editing them, or um, the 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 really cool thing that the guest said at 27 minutes into the episode, um, or perhaps how much the music fades up and down during the intro, you're acutely aware of all of that stuff because you've been very intimately involved in producing it. Um, And also, it's your baby, so you want to love it. Um, But sometimes it's good to get uh, an outside perspective from someone who doesn't have any of that baggage and can give you a really honest opinion of, you know, hey, I was bored at this point or, um, you know, I, I didn't understand what the, uh, the, the, the show name was trying to tell me. Like, it's a confusing, I, I know it's like a, an, a, a bit of a pun or an inside joke that you've got, but it doesn't make sense to me at first impression. So, shop it around with a few people. Um, talk to someone like Charlie or myself and, and get a, uh, an expert opinion, in fact, um, because those are- uh, And actually, I do this a, a bit, Charlie. When we are naming a show, naming is one of the hardest parts of uh, developing a new show. Um, we usually develop a bit of a shortlist and then we shop it around with some people um, who have no context for the show. And we say, hey, if you heard of this podcast called Blah, what would you think of it? Uh, and those first impressions moments- really matter because that person has no idea what you're trying to trying to achieve they have no idea what the show's about uh, and they're just giving you raw unfiltered opinions and so uh, those are the things that are going to help you to understand really what's going on without all the baggage I'll tell you one last story, which um, which I think highlights this really well. There was a research study that was done um, many years ago about uh, the psychology of uh, of um, the value of things and how we perceive value. And uh, what they did is they got test subjects to come into a lab and um, they gave them... Um, uh, there was a uh, the, the first group. There was an IKEA chair, I think it was, um, that was assembled, and you know they they did some task, and then as they were leaving, the researcher would say, "Hey, um, how much would you pay for this chair, this IKEA chair, to take home today?" And they would say some number, maybe sixty dollars. Uh, and then the other group, the B, the the the, the non control group, um, your test your testing group, um, they would come into the lab. And their scenario would be to actually build an IKEA chair. Um, so, uh, they're actually constructing the chair themselves. And then, as they're about to leave the lab, the researcher would say, hey, that chair that you just built, how much would you pay for it? And uh, and they would consistently say values that were much higher, you know, 80 or 100 or $120 to buy that chair. Um, the same chair, in fact, that the other group had just uh, had just said that they would buy for, you know, sometimes half the price. And the only thing that was different was somebody co-contributed to building it. Uh, and so, we think things are more valuable when they- We think things are more valuable than they actually are when we've built them because we've put our love, our heart, our dedication, our soul into it. Um, But when somebody else observes something and they have had no co-contribution, they're a lot more harsh and a lot more critical. And so, that doesn't mean that there's no value. Um, It just means that the value is somewhat discounted and we have to work a bit harder. We have to work at, you know, 120 or 140% from from what we're producing ourselves to get that value that someone else may value it at the same uh, 
uh, at the same level. I kid you not, I've just pulled an IKEA chair together. Um, we've got a nursing chair we're putting together and it's interesting <laughs> you brought that up. I value them much highly and now I've had to put all that work into assembly. <laughs> Although it wasn't that bad, but isn't that just such an interesting point around value perception as well? Um, and just to tie into that, my first podcast um, was actually getting an outsider's perspective that got me to shut that down. Um, I was way too close to it and it was stalling and I was throwing tactics at a broken strategy and I just couldn't work it out from there. So I want to kind of um, explain that one a little bit more. Um, I had a show where we're about 100 episodes deep and we'd reached a bit of plateau where numbers weren't growing. We we're kind of holding steady. But being we're 100 episodes deep, we're more than 12 months into the show. Uh, for three straight months, I'd seen um, flat or decline. Like things were really not moving in the right direction. And I was throwing uh, ad spend at it. I was throwing tactical um, throws at it from like different marketing channels. We were everywhere. Um, and I was thinking that, you know, if it's not taking at this point, there's got to be something that was more seriously wrong. And I just couldn't see it myself. Um, and I had a mentor, uh, come and look at the show who had a very successful podcast and still does. And he identified that my content strategy was out, that the way I was interviewing, uh, guests and bringing up topics wasn't concise with what the audience wanted. So there was a disconnect in the content I was producing. Um, and when he identified that and then we identified how it worked into the business, it made sense to actually stop doing it like it was a dead project because we'd built something that wasn't actually going to be useful or held value. Now, you know, I was a little bit sad. I won't lie. I was a little bit like, oh, I feel like I've wasted a lot of effort, but I've always gone back to it and gone, it was so much better to get that advice and not waste another year of resource putting that into it. So that outsider perspective can just be so, so valuable in helping you identify how to set up a winner. And then taking that advice, you know, again, not fun to hear it, but taking that and using that advice going forward into new shows and other shows and now client shows has enabled us to like crack some big winners. So it was like the experience that had to happen for me to reach success was getting that outside of perspective. I never would have got there on my own. Mm. So I think it's huge value. And then not to mention these days, the podcast community is growing. Like there's a lot of savvy people in the space. There's a lot of experts like uh, yourself uh, here as well as communities where you can more easily find advice now than I think was previously available. Totally. Uh, and I mean, the uh, the, the truth um, shall set you free, um, but sometimes it is a, a little difficult to hear. Uh, and so, it's always good to go into those situations with an open mind um, and a forgiving heart. That's a good one-liner. I just made that up then. <laughs> You've dropped two of them now. Uh, though I don't feel like that's a rap song. I feel like that's more of a, like a ballad line yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we could roll into from there. But uh, Adam, we are going to wrap this one up. I feel like there's been a ton of examples and practical things you can do to look at your show if it's stalling or potentially stalling that would help you, one, identify it, and then two, if you go through what has been dropped in this episode, help you identify some starting points or things you can lean into um, that could potentially help you with the stalling show. And of course, you can always reach out to Adam at Wavelength Creative. We'll make sure we have a link below here or myself at Valor Media, and we're happy to take a look and lean into those things. So Adam, thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anywhere you want to send people or anywhere we should uh, get them to head towards for you? How can people connect? The best place to connect with uh, me is on the website wavelengthcreative.com um, and you can uh, you can get in contact there. I'm also on Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, yeah, happy to hear from people who uh, want to talk about their show um, or talk about launching a new show. 
Awesome. Well, we'll make sure we include some links in the show description. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show once again, Adam. We're going to wrap this one up from here. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, <laughs> Charlie.